Good evening, everyone. Nice to see you here. I'm Doug Fullington. I'm manager of audience education at PMB. This is our director's choice repertory program, and I say it every year that although this is called director's choice, all the ballets we perform are chosen by the director. <laughs> but this does have a particular uh, uh, sort of identity uh, in that Peter Bull selects works often new works, new works to the company, commissions new works, or adds to uh, uh, existing uh, repertories of particular choreographers, and sometimes some of both. It's certainly the case with, I think someone's coming down the hall. Yeah. Uh, that's certainly the case with uh, In the Countenance of Kings, choreographed by Justin Peck, new to us, and our third Justin Peck Ballet. Uh, the other two are completely new and receiving their world premieres tonight. A uh, new work by Matthew Neenan and a new work by Robin Maneko Williams, both uh, new choreographers to us here at PNB. So, all new tonight to us. Uh, Countenance of Kings comes to us from San Francisco Ballet. So, let's talk about these in the order that we'll see them. You know, with these new works, uh, the last thing I think a speaker wants to do is review them for the audience before they see them. So that's your job and not mine to tell you what to think of them. But I'll give you some background, talk to you about the process uh, here at PMB of putting these works together, talk about the collaborators. One thing that I think is particularly special about this program this year is the number of collaborators involved and the number of collaborators in town. We have a whole slew of guests in town who have contributed uh, artistically to these works. They're very excited to be here, so it's a particularly special night tonight. So we open with Bacchus by Matthew Neenan. Uh, Matthew Neenan works in Pennsylvania. He was a member of Pennsylvania Ballet. He founded Ballet X a dance uh, company in Pennsylvania, and uh, he no longer runs the company, but he's associated with the company, choreographs for them, and is also active as a freelance choreographer. He was commissioned uh, by Peter for this program and uh, knew that he'd be creating a work that would open the program, so we had that in mind when he was selecting the music, and he's uh, picked music by a British composer named Oliver Davis, and Oliver is here as well. And he put together a selection of works, some uh, existing movements from other uh, works by Oliver, and a couple, uh, the first two, are new and uh, newly written for uh, this ballet. The title comes from the fourth of seven movements. The fourth movement is called Bacchus. It's a pizzicato uh, for strings and uh, Matt decided that that would be the title of the piece. He felt that the idea, uh, the ideas around the God of wine and the idea of abundance and uh, uh, things jovial and merriment really suited what he was trying to do with this piece. And also his costume designer, Mark Sapone, had suggested costumes in shades of purple, so that fit for uh, wine grapes. So there you have it, Bacchus. Uh, it's an ensemble work. I think we've got, if I can count, do we have six women, seven men? Something like that. I should know. I am conducting this piece, and I do occasionally look up <laughs> and see these people. 
on stage. Uh, it's a great score. Um, Oliver does a lot of writing for film. He does writing for television. I think one of the pluses there is that the music immediately speaks. It has an immediate ambiance and it's very accessible to the ear and we can get right into the particular flavor of the movement uh, right away. And uh, it's scored for strings, uh, piano, harp, a little bit of brass at the beginning, and a little bit of percussion in the middle. So uh, it's not the full orchestra, but it's a very uh, uh, sort of fleet set of instruments, if you will. And it has a very uh, forward, uh, forward feeling sort of flow to it, if you will, in the music, sort of an, in an inevitability. And... Uh, I think that's uh, been great. It has a couple beautiful uh, lyrical slow movements. And in fact, the ballet ends on a more uh, light note rather than the big finish, if you will. Uh, I won't give away any more than that. But uh, that is Bacchus. We've had a great working experience with Matt. He choreographed the piece in three weeks. Uh, he had three weeks in the studio. After Sleeping Beauty, the dancers had one week off and they came back and they started this with Matt. Uh, three weeks in the studio, and then this week on stage, our tech week, which is a very fast-paced week. You sort of get one rehearsal to space, which means you get on stage and you, you make sure everyone is coming out of the right wing and so forth. And then you start doing your run-throughs, and you get one shot with the orchestra, which was last night. And then uh, here we are. So don't want to take the bloom off these things. Uh, after Bacchus, we have an intermission. And then we come back for Robin Maneko Williams' new work called The Trees, The Trees. And just a really interesting combination of elements here. It's a very, very much a theater piece. Uh, Robin comes to us from Chicago. She was a member of Hubbard Street Dance Chicago for 12 years. While she was there, she began uh, experimenting with choreography, and now she's working as a freelance choreographer. She does individual projects, she creates for companies, and uh, I think she was uh, brought to Peter's attention uh, a couple of ways, but one way through Patricia Barker at Grand Rapids Ballet, uh, before Patricia moved to Royal New Zealand Ballet, and she said, we've had Robin here creating a work, and uh, Peter went and saw it and was really interested in what he saw and commissioned Robin to create a piece here. Robin wanted to work with uh, her colleague, Kyle Vector, who's a composer, and Kyle really took uh, the opportunity and ran with it. He, he's uh, scored a work that's about 28 minutes long, just under half an hour, and not only is it a work for full, full orchestra, and a lot of really interesting percussion. But he set a series of poems by Heather Crystal, and we've uh, put the texts of these poems in the Encore program. They're, they're, I'm not a poetry ac expert in any way, but they come across to me as uh, they deal with quite everyday sort of life topics in little sound bites of phrases, some connected, some possibly disconnected. And Kyle has sent these for a person that I think is a tremendous vocalist. Her name is Alicia Walter. She's based in New York. And the piece was written for Alicia, and she's here, and she'll be on stage with the dancers singing it. Uh, one thing I do much more regularly than conduct an orchestra is work with singers. I worked with singers for ages, and uh, I'm just thoroughly... Uh, delighted with uh, Alicia's ability. It's kind of outstanding. 
kind of uncanny too. It's a really complicated score, but she delivers it with such ease that she just takes you right on through whatever sort of uh, uh, things Kyle's laid out for her to sing in the orchestra to place. She just sails right through it. And uh, it's, it's been terrific to have her here. She uh, has been with us only for a week. Last Friday, she and Kyle uh, arrived and we're in the studio Friday and Monday. We moved to the stage on Tuesday. So I, uh, well, she, Alicia's range is sort of, she's one of those multi-octave types. She's way below middle C and way above. So that's why we refer to her as a vocalist. And we don't peg her in one spot or the other. Um, it's notes and it's singing, but she has there's a very speech-like quality. I love singing in English, and, and that's what these poems are, are written in. So uh, uh, on top of that, uh, Robin has worked with uh, Rico Chiarelli, our resident lighting designer, who's not only lit the piece, but designed a set. And, uh, you know, we work in a very big theatrical space. We have 2,900 seats, which is very large for dance. And uh, we have a very large stage, very wide proscenium. And uh, I believe they wanted to create both intimacy, but not give us the feeling that this piece is intended for a small theater. So they've sort of uh, used a floor on top of a floor. We have our gray floor down, but they took the white floor that we use for Afternoon of a Fawn by Robbins, which creates a smaller uh, floor plan, if you will, and brought everything in. And Rico's created a wonderful mid-century modern inspired, or madman inspired, as Peter Bowl says, uh, sort of room in which, uh, which is inhabited by these dancers and the singers. Now the choreographic style here, it's a lot different from Justin's and Matt's, which is very based on classical ballet and very in the air, on lair, as we would say. I'd, I'd call this terre a terre. Uh, choreography. It's much more on the ground and it's very fluid. Uh, fluid uh, not only for the single dancer but particularly dancers in groups or in pairs and uh, that is the mode uh, by which Robin moves the dancers around the stage through this particular space with a, with a sofa and a fireplace and a tree and windows on the side and all. So um, Gonna kind of leave it at that. Lot of elements here, lot of colors and uh, ideas out of the orchestra, the poetry, the way the poetry sung, and the way uh, the whole is brought together with this sort of community of characters uh, that Robin has on stage. She also has with her. I want to mention her a costume designer, Bronomira. Uh, Ivanova, who uh, whose designs we've seen for um, Alejandro Ceruto also Chicago-based. And uh, Bronamira has costumes that have a look of regular clothes to them. Uh, some, uh, a few are purchased clothes. You always have to tweak them for dance. But uh, many of them are made, uh, the pants and the dresses and so forth. So there is a sort of real-life quality, if you will, to the way this ballet looks and the way it's dressed and in the way the stage is designed. And the poetry, whose words you know are are audible and clear to understand. Okay, the trees, the trees. I'm gonna leave it there. Uh, second intermission, and then in the countenance of kings, uh, third work for us from Justin Peck, and uh, one of several ballets that Justin has made with the composer Sufjan Stevens. Uh, Justin has. Uh, 
feels a real affinity with his work. He said when he first heard it, he just thought this this guy writes for dance. And uh, he, this particular piece, uh, Sufjan had already written. It's uh, got a programmatic title, the BQE, uh, which refers to, if I'm right, the, is it? Bronx or Brooklyn? Brooklyn, Queensway Express. Sort of notorious highway? Expressway, thank you. Should have the program open. Um, if I understand it, and I've not driven it, kind of a notorious highway, and somehow was inspired to write a, a, a sort of incredible piece of music uh, with that in mind. I'm not sure, not bringing a Brooklyn or a New York resident. I'm not quite sure what that is, but Justin, who was here last night and talking about it, said there's there's a real irony there in how this music is composed. Um, this is not a narrative piece, but it does suggest a program, some, some aspect of narrative, because we have names given to the dancers. Qantas, Electris, Botanica, the protagonist, the foil, the hero, and the ensemble referred to as the school of thought. Um, I know Cheryl Osola's notes for uh, San Francisco Ballet suggested it was a Pilgrim's Progress-esque uh, collection of, of names, if you will. Uh, Justin has not gone into any detail about these, and so I haven't asked. But the, uh, the names are there. It, uh, I do think that uh, Jerome Tisserand is the protagonist really comes out as the protagonist. So I think you can take these uh, at face value or uh, forget about them, but the ballet does sort of lead you along, if you will. Uh, one thing Justin Peck is known for, among many, many things, is his ability to uh, uh, deploy large groups on stage with real interest. And it is really fascinating to my eye to see how he responds uh, musically, rhythmically to the score, and how he uh, works with groups on stage and really causes us to follow patterns really explicitly. Uh, patterns that, in, to my mind, really keep my interest as I, wa as I watch them develop across uh, the stage. Uh, he has a real gift for that. And uh, I don't see a lot of that. A lot of uh, choreographers don't take on the large group. We've seen Crystal Pite take on large group with Emergence, I think, with great success. And she's done that in several other works for other companies as well. Justin is another one who really was willing to take on the large group of people. And also the large score. This score uh, really runs the gamut of style. It has um, a very eclectic style. There are uh, sort of jazz and pop elements to it. There are heroic moments. It almost sounds like superhero music to me. Uh, and again, using a really full orchestra and a broad palette of color and uh, percussion. A lot of diversity in the musical sounds tonight coming out of the pit. Everything's live, uh, except for the transistor radios, I think, that are in the second piece. Spoiler. <laughs> uh, Justin's piece we uh, worked on earlier this year, uh, beginning of December. You know, it's only been done for San Francisco Ballet, which it hasn't been staged a lot. We're the second company to get it. So we needed to have the ballet master that worked with Justin in San Francisco 
we needed to have that one person come and teach it here. And that's a fellow named Felipe Diaz, who's a senior ballet master at San Francisco Ballet. They are a very, very busy company. So getting time out of him was <laughs> really tough. So we got a little bit of time in December when he came and got the thing set. And then four more days from him uh, these past couple weeks. I think we had a Thursday, Friday, and he had to go back. And then a Monday, Tuesday, and he had to go back. And then we have had Justin Peck for two days yesterday and today but uh, the the dancers I think uh, speaking of affinity they have a real affinity for his movement style this is the third work of his that we've done you've seen year of the rabbit uh, it's in a similar choreographic style and, and vocabulary uh, Justin also initially made a work called debonair which is uh, a little bit more subtle work for us so this is our third uh, third foray into the work of Justin Peck and just uh, uh, you know, some of you, if you follow what's going on in the ballet world, you may know Justin's work really well. He's resident choreographer at New York City Ballet. He's just in the past few weeks been named artistic advisor as their new artistic uh, directorship has been announced and set up. Uh, he's announced he'll retire from dancing officially uh, from the New York City Ballet roster at the end of the spring season. And he's also the choreographer of Steven Spielberg's remake of West Side Story which we'll film uh, on location in New York this summer. And everyone's very interested uh, to see because, of course, we all know the iconic, very iconic work of Robbins uh, from the late 50s and the film in the early 60s. So uh, really exciting things from Justin and great to have him here. Uh, and great that he wants to come. It's not a new work for him, but it's a new company doing this work, and he's here and uh, seeing it through on stage and coaching the dancers. It's been a really uh, exciting experience. And again, he's one of many, many guests uh, who have been here over the past few weeks to put this program together. Uh, we didn't have Meet the Artist. We didn't have the post Q&A for Sleeping Beauty just because the runtime is so long. But we have it again uh, starting tonight. And Jerome Tisserand uh, will be down here with Peter Bowl after the performance. You'll have just seen him dance in Countenance of Kings. And you can talk to him about that. You can talk to Peter about that ballet and the rest of the program as well. Now we have time. I'd be happy to answer anything. Sure. Yes, yes, they do. The, just talking about the trees, the trees, which runs about 28 minutes. Um, yes, they, they, they come and go, and they're, they're moments of stasis and uh, quiet moments as well. So uh, it's not as physically uh, rigorous in an aerobic way that uh, in the way that Bacchus is or the way that Countenance of Kings is. The style is different, more grounded, uh, not, doesn't involve jumping. Things like that. Mm -hmm. Sure. What does he love about PNB? Well, he's got a lot of attachments here. Peter Bowl was one of his teachers at uh, School of American Ballet. Uh, he was in Jerome Tisserand's class, so he's a peer of uh, a lot of our dancers. Uh, danced with some of them in New York City Ballet. The Orzas were there when he was there. Uh, William Lin Yi. 
so there are a lot of contemporaries. He's just 31 years old. Uh, so uh, I think he uh, wants to keep those connections. And uh, he's, I think, uh, he's pleased that, it, you know, companies want to do his work. And uh, we have a good reputation for that. So... Uh, He's a uh, he's at Houston now, uh, getting a work, a small scale work going, um, and for about eleven dancers. And he just took a little bit of time to go uh, to come here for two days. And I think he has a five a.m. flight because <laughs> he has to be at Houston at the before noon for rehearsal tomorrow. So uh, it is real commitment. He is busy, and it would be easy to say no. I'm you know I'm going to call it, I'm not going to go. But you know we're really glad that he. Uh, you know, he wants to keep, uh, have a hand in his uh, existing repertory that has a life after he creates it. And uh, I think that's great. Not everyone's like that. Uh, Twyla Tharp tends to, it's choreographed and it's done. It's done. And trying to get her to come back and look at something again, you really have to, come on. You know, when she does, she really does it. But uh, she, uh, she often doesn't want to revisit older work. So, uh, yeah. Every, every choreographer is a little bit different that way. Uh, sure, back here, and then I'll come to you. Uh, yeah, it is the first full piece I conducted, because I conducted a whole eight minutes of cacti <laughs> in October. You know, and uh, we're, Alan Dameron, who's been our associate conductor for many, many years, uh, and very, very gifted pianist, is just on the cusp of retirement. Uh, he's, in fact, moved to Boston. Uh, he was here a little bit in Nutcracker. We expect to see him for Midsummer Night's Stream, fingers crossed. But uh, we haven't filled the position yet, so I'm, I'm helping out a little bit, if you will, and I don't mean that in any uh, arrogant way. Uh, so... Uh, Uh, oh, gosh, no. <laughs> and shouldn't be. <laughs> Emil does uh, The Trees, The Trees, and uh, Countenance of Kings tonight. I have a really new appreciation for a number of things after being in the pit. One is tempo, which I know is very important for dance. But wow, you know, you might have three seconds where you go from one movement to the next, and you have to, you know, and your heart rate's going, and you have to know what that tempo is now, you know, and you have to get it right, especially for these ballets that involve a lot of what we call allegro dancing, where it's very, they're on the beat, they're in the air. I mean, there is a window of, of uh, tempi that allows you to dance in the way it's choreographed, and if you're too slow or too fast, you, you know, you can't move correctly to it. So, uh, yep. I've had conversations about that, but it's different to do it. So, uh, yes. Oh, thank you. And also just the thought of, uh, you know, one person doing three very different ballets in one evening is quite a bit of work, not only physically, but intellectually. It's very concentrated. Um, the works are very demanding. So I do, I really understand the, um, the uh, benefit of having a couple people uh, conduct a program and the, there's it's, there's sort of a safety net there too because people can be sort of right at their top you don't want to get to that third ballet and kind of be <laughs> so exhausted you can't you know really think it through right so uh, anyway fingers crossed so I'm I, I get to do the first one so I think that's good uh, yes
Oh, I can, and what a nice question. It's about the orchestra. Um, this quote on the back, well, first, we, we've got our series Ballet 101. It's a four-part series we offer throughout the year. We started last year. We have one more event this year on Tuesday, April 2nd. It's a panel discussion about music at, at PNB. Um, the orchestra, conductors, pianists, I think our music librarian, I think, will be there who deals with music rights. Uh, and uh, that's a very interesting uh, topic. Uh, Alistair McCauley gave us this quote in 2016 in the New York Times when we were performing at City Center and brought the orchestra with it. I think our orchestra is very highly regarded because of the um, just high level of performance um, and we have a very uh, a lot of consistency in the membership. Um, sometimes uh, an orchestra associated with an organization will be more of a pickup orchestra or a, uh, individually contracted orchestra, whereas our orchestra has its own union, and uh, you know this is a base job for a lot of these musicians who then do a lot, of course, do a lot of additional work, and so there's uh, longevity uh, in the ranks, which really builds up a rapport, a style of playing, a commitment to the repertory. Um, the orchestra loves to play new music. They love to play very difficult scores like Stravinsky and so forth. So they're very game to play whatever is given to them. And they really uh, put, uh, put a lot of effort and a lot of commitment into whatever the piece of music is. And of course, everyone will have who plays and is a musician or an audience member has different feelings about different pieces. I like this one. I don't like this one as much. This one's really hard. This one's easier. But they have that great professional work ethic where they take each piece on its own terms and really give it their all um, so that each piece can be realized to its fullest. And I think that that has, has been telling for the reputation of the orchestra. So we do try to take the orchestra on tour when we can. It is very expensive because you're adding you know, 60 people to a touring party. But uh, having your own orchestra, especially for very difficult works, uh, is great. Because if you've already performed them in the repertory, they're ready to go, they know them, and you're not trying to put something together on the fly. Yeah, so. Do come to that panel discussion if you're interested. I think it'll be really good. Yes, please. Thanks. The comments about uh, presentation of new work here and uh, seeing more new work, especially this year. I d definitely new work's very important. It and always has been to the company. I think because we have a director who doesn't choreograph, we see even more new work. Um, uh, I know. Peter is very interested in new work. He travels to see new work. He uh, discusses with other artists and other directors about uh, up-and-coming choreographers, also giving opportunities to choreographers in-house, and even opportunities in the school. We have a, a choreography class for the Level 7 women uh, that was funded for this year. So really going at uh, new works in a number of ways, in a workshop style and a performance style. So yes, I think we'll see more of that balanced against uh, 
long-standing repertory as well. We have sort of signature repertory that builds up over time that, of course, we will we will keep and and uh, and further develop. Yeah. Yes, behind. Oh, the the comments about number of uh, dancers in the ballets. Yeah, because it's seven in Robbins, uh, and what are we? Thirteen in Matt Neenan's and eighteen in Justin's. We right. This is one cast of those ballets, and then we'll have a second cast of the ballets too. Not complete second casts of all of them, but like all of the ensemble in uh, Justin Peck is has a completely second cast. So um, everybody is in the repertory. This, re this repertory also is nearly back-to-back -back with Midsummer Night's Dream, which is another big work. So that is rehearsed at the same time. Yeah. And then um, in the uh, June rep of four ballets, there's sort of two large ballets and two small ballets. So it'll be the same thing again. Everyone will be dancing and we'll have you know more than one thing to do, if not three. So, yeah, no, they're uh, I don't know, they're all in the studio. So, but yeah, some ballets are smaller, but there are multiple casts for all of these ballets. So, um, uh, and yeah, the rehearsal schedule is really full. We're a we're a repertory company, so each ballet receives about three weeks of rehearsal and, and a week on stage. Midsummer will be two weeks after this is over and a week on stage, so that's why it has to start early. And uh, so we always have a really full schedule. Um, it just it takes time to learn some of these things and get them performance ready, but you know people are called to learn a variety of roles. Yeah. Uh, yes. How is the rotation of casting determined? Mostly by Peter Bowl, and sometimes he works in conjunction with the choreographer, especially if the choreographer's here stage creating a work. So Robin Mineka Williams chose her cast, and uh, Matt Neenan chose his cast, and then Justin Peck and Peter worked together on the casting, Justin having known the dancers uh, over a period of time. And then they determine how the cast will be, the cast that does the first night, and then the cast that alternates, then if there's a third cast, and so forth. Yeah. With ballets that come back in the repertory uh, regularly, there is sometimes, you know, the history of who's uh, uh, performed when is, is sometimes looked at, and, the, and the, that will be considered, yeah. But it's uh, with the new, new works like tonight, it's the choice of the choreographer who they've selected, and that's usually, these casts represent the cast that the work was really set on initially. Um, sometimes it's set in tandem on two casts, but usually set on one cast. But the other cast is there as well. And sometimes if there's an injury or illness, that will shift. Yeah. 
Okay, yeah. All right, it's uh, six, seven. Sorry, they haven't changed for daylight savings. But uh, I've got to go tie a bow tie, and it might take a while. So thank you for coming tonight. Please come to meet the artist afterwards. Thank you very much.